Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Gravel Ride Podcast. I'm your host, Craig Dalton. I hope everybody is as healthy as can be and has been able to get out there and pedal, whether it's indoor on a trainer or optimally out there in the gravel. This week's episode is again being brought to you by our friends at Cycle Oregon. You can visit them at cycleoregon.com. You may recall me talking about their gravel weekend, which is now going to be happening October 9th through 11th. But they also have a seven-day classic tour, which includes both paved and gravel roads in September of this year. Like many of the event organizers, and particularly those in the nonprofit sector like Cycle Oregon, we're really counting on you showing up this fall and spreading the love across as many events as possible to keep these rides coming year after year after year. Cycle Oregon's been supporting cyclists in the Pacific Northwest since 1988 and has had a huge run and a huge impact in keeping spaces open to cyclists and improving upon them. So feel free to give them a look at cycleoregon.com. Make sure if you're looking for event details to mention the letters TGR for the gravel ride to let them know you heard about them here. So this week we've got another pre-recorded interview with an event organizer. So keep in mind this was recorded prior to the pandemic really kicking off. So things may change and some of the things we say may not make sense for this exact moment in time. But we've got another great event organizer. We've got Dean Stanton from up in Canada in British Columbia who organizes the Triple Crown of Gravel, which includes the Sea to Sky Gravel Fondo, the Kawakan Crusher, and Kettle Metal. I know Sea to Sky has already been moved to the end of the year in October, quickly following after Kettle Metal. The Crusher is still scheduled for June, but keep an eye on the website because that may change as well. I hope, like me, many of you are dreaming about these fall events and trying to squeeze as many of them in as possible. I know these event organizers are all scrambling to make sure that they can remain solvent and have events in future years. So with that, let's dive right into our conversation with Dean. Dean, welcome to the show. Great. Thanks. Good to be here. Yeah, I'm really excited to, to have you on the show. I know you're producing three events, at least up there this year in the gravel community. But first, we always like to get started by learning a little bit more about your background as a cyclist and how ultimately you got into the arduous task of event production. Um, well, it's a weird and twisted uh, past for that. Um, I started off mainly in triathlons in high school and became an elite professional from 87 to 99. And before I sort of quit racing, I got into coaching at about 97. And then about 2004, I thought, you know, hey, I've done all these races and helped out and done all this. I'll put on a triathlon. And I had no idea what I was doing. And to be honest, shouldn't have been putting one on, but did it and sort of went through that and did a bunch of bike races. Or sorry, no, triathlons and then some running races. And then... I've always really wanted to put on a bike race and some bike races. And then, you know, at that time, the, you know, around 2009, 2010, the gravel, I'm sorry, the grand fondos were sort of taking off. And then when I looked at the cost of production and everything, I was just like, uh, no, this isn't going to work. So 2013, I was looking at, um, you know, what was going on down in the States and already, you know, Dirty Kansas was on the radar and I was like, that's pretty cool. So I went down and did one in the ra race in the States on a, on a cross bike and started riding more gravel that year anyways and then said, you know what, I'm going to put on the kettle metal and we did and 
like 80 people showed up or something. It wasn't, it was very good. And, you know, in terms of numbers, but, you know, it was great and everybody really enjoyed it. And I myself ride gravel a lot because I really enjoy not having the cars and being more in nature. It's kind of a, a hybrid between, say, road riding and mountain biking because I think you need some of the mountain bike skills. It helps, but it's just, you know, but it's a little bit more easier than mountain biking in some respects in terms of the descending and the ascents aren't nearly as steep usually. But um, anyways, I really enjoy it. I, it's something I've really do more and more of now. Nice. And was that first kettle metal, was that back in 2014 then? Correct. Yeah. I'm curious, you, you made mention, and I, I like to have takeaways for other event organizers. You made mention that you, know, you thought the cost of production of a Grand Fondo on the road was more expensive than a gravel event. Was that from some sort of practical perspective, like road closures and, and things like that? Um, well, I don't, I'm not sure how things work in the States, but in Canada, they seem to love, you know, having everything done to the nth degree so you know yeah it's traffic management plans police uh you know traffic control people it's it's prohibitively expensive to degree to shut any roads down and it gets very very expensive very fast yeah that makes a lot of sense to me yeah so (laughs) that's sort of why i was like uh no (laughs) yeah so you're there in the, the heartbed of mountain biking up in British Columbia. Um, so that first event was the Kettle Metal. And I know at this point you've expanded to having three gravel events on the calendar. Is that right? Correct. I sort of – that, and that's funny because that sort of grew organically as well is that I did Kettle Metal for a couple of years and then I looked on the island and I was over there. Anyways, um, Vancouver Island, which is a pretty big island, and I, I just was like, I'm, I'm going to go and check out some gravel rides, and I just I realized that there was an old railway line there as well, and then just worked into a, a an event over there as well, and that's we're going now into our fourth year for um, the Cowichan Crusher, which is out of Lake Cowichan, which is it's phenomenal. Some of the riding on the island is, I think, some of the best riding in terms of gravel in bc i mean unfortunately most of it seems to be on private property um but yeah it's it's really good riding over there yeah and you're are you able to get permission for the event day to get on that private property yeah it's just yeah it's it's just a few more steps to go through but yeah no it's 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 really good stuff over there it's really it's really nice i mean one of the challenges in bc and i'm not sure you have this in california other places is a lot of the terrain is very steep, so it's very difficult at times to find a sort of circular route on gravel. A lot of them are sort of like uh, roots of trees in that uh, there's a main road and then it'll go off and branch up a super steep road and it'll be dead end. And then you got to come back and you got to go. So the nice thing about Vancouver Island is it's a lot less steep terrain, so there's a lot more sort of roads that all link up. Whereas other places like Squamish, it's it's a little bit more difficult. And um, again, most of the roads are all built for logging and logging access. So they're forest service roads. So, yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's common for any coastal area. Certainly in my neck of the woods, you can't, you can't go 10 miles without going a thousand feet of climbing and it, you got to pick, pick your roots wisely. Yeah. So, it, you know, and I'm, I'm, I mean, I've done some of the rides, and I'm just amazed at how these trucks were getting up and down these hills with logs, <laughs> you know, like a load of logs. I'm just like, it blows me away because I'm like, this is so steep. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then the third event is called what? Well, the third event we did for two years was the Cow- uh, so the Golden Years Gravel Fondo, which was a bit challenging in that um, one of the, the cool areas about Pitt Meadows is sort of called is near to the Tri City area of, of Lower Mainland of Vancouver, Greater Vancouver, and it has all these dikes. And it, technically, a lot of that area is underwater, like under sea level, but they have all these dikes that you kind of link up. Um, it just it became very difficult to train, you know go through the permitting process on that because I had either nine or ten jurisdictions I had to go through, you know, and then I'm doing Squamish and I have four or three. It's it's so much easier. <laughs> so so I just kind of went, you know, uh, it's good riding and good training, but trying to put in an event on there was really challenging. And so um, over the last year, year and a half, I was going up to Squamish to do some gravel rides and I just said, you know what, we're just going to move it next year. And that's what we're doing right now, and the numbers are pretty strong, and we're pretty excited about it. So, yeah. Great. And that one's called uh, Sea to Sky. Is that right? Yeah. The, the Yeah. So and I got that name from basically the Sea to Sky Highway, but that's called the Sea to Sky Corridor. It's kind of like – it's pretty steep terrain, and I'm not really sure even how they made that road way back in the 50s from Vancouver to Squamish to Whistler. And Whistler's, Whistler's like a world-class resort, you know, skiing, but it's also major mountain biking, downhilling in the summer. But that road is just like um, – trying to remember the name. There's that marathon uh, on the Pacific coast of California that goes through the Redwoods and all that stuff. And it's kind of similar to that. It's very steep terrain. Yeah, yeah. I've and been so, through on yeah. the way to Whistler previous times and, and actually up on some fire roads in Squamish. But I was up in a van with a full suspension bike and a full-faced helmet ready to go downhill. Yeah, so very different. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I want to get into yeah. some of the details in terms of elevation and the type of terrain for the three different events. But one of the things that jumped out at me on the website was you actually have divisions for two and four person teams, which I haven't seen in a lot of gravel events. Can you talk about you know how that works from a practical perspective, and you know what your intention was in in adding those event categories? Um, well, I, I kind of really like the team atmosphere, and then I also thought it would be interesting for people to bring out other buddies and friends to do their event with them instead of just all doing it singly. So I thought it'd be really cool to sort of do a team of two or team of four, you know, mixed or whatever, and then you give them a slight discount so that, you know, you're encouraging more teams. And, you know, we, we give out you know, prizes to the top team two, top team of four. Then we also have a triple crown prizing for the, all three events, the end of the season at the end, last event. And I, I, I just really like the idea of it. I, yeah, I mean, it's funny that I sort of have did that second or third year and we've been doing it ever since. And yeah, I guess now that you mentioned it, well, I haven't seen this at a lot of other events. So. Yeah, I think it's, yeah. I mean, I think it's a very interesting dynamic, both from, uh, from a race organizer's perspective, obviously it encourages people very specifically to bring a buddy with them. But also from a racing perspective, having done team events in the past myself, both single day and multi-day, it does add a different dynamic because you're trying to get your teammate across as fast as you can and you're going to have different skill sets. So I imagine in a gravel event, you know, you may have someone who's a good roller on the flat terrain, really coming to the front and dragging their teammate along, whereas, you know, their teammate may have other skill sets. So it does, I think, create some interesting mentality during the race, which is probably quite fun to race as a team. 
yeah, I mean, that's just what we're trying to encourage is just more people to come out, more people to do it as a team. You know, it's combined time, so it's like two people would be the two times together, and that that's – so thus, it, it doesn't make sense for one person to be super fast and the other person takes longer, you know, because you're adding the times together anyways for the results. So you might as well just try and, like you said, both ride together and cheer each other on and push each other for, you know, a better finish. And yeah. you mentioned it casually that you've kind of cast the three events under this nomiker of the triple crown of gravel, and you're actually tracking results across three events and providing you know accolades or awards at the end of all three events, right? Yep, that's correct. Yep. Yeah, pretty cool. So let's get into some of the some of the terrain in each of the three events, and curious to kind of get your perspective if you would expect given unlimited resources, if people would change bikes or tires or, or different things about the bikes uh, between the three events, or if it's, if it's similar enough that, you know, it's kind of run the same tires in each event. Um, in terms of the terrain, it's quite different. Um, as I said before, I mean, Squamish is somewhat flat, it's got some hills in it, but nothing major. However, the long course, the the full fondo, which we're in kilometers up here, uh, is about 100 kilometers. Also, because it's in April 25th, and I don't think people are hoping to do 150, 200 kilometers fairly early in the season. So I'm, I'm trying to make sure it's not too long for people. It's challenging, but not over-challenging. But there's definitely some climbs as you get closer to the turnaround area. And... Um, the gravel is mostly fairly hard pack. Um, yeah, and similar to the island, but uh, Kettle Metal has a couple of sections where it's a bit sandy or softer. So I would suggest going with a slightly um, wider uh, tire with lower pressures for that one. Although, I mean, it, it really depends, right? I mean, it depends how big you are, how much you weigh, what kind of bike you're riding. Um, you know, it's interesting. We, we, we've started tracking uh, with our registration what people are doing, what their bikes they're riding, what size tires they're riding. Uh, these are all questions we ask at registration and sort of have tracked that last year and have a lot of interesting stats on when we first started this seven years ago. I didn't have the stats, but, you know, through seeing what people were doing, the vast majority were on mountain bikes and then there was a few on cross bikes and you know seven years ago there wasn't even gravel bikes so it was mostly that and now the vast majority are 700c bikes split between you know gravel and cyclocross and then there's 650b gravel bikes but they're not there's not as many like i would say on our stats over 75 percent are gravel or 700c and less than 25 percent are 650b and then one of the other interesting things about mountain biking is we thought there'd be a lot more people on 29ers, and there's hardly any. It's only like four and a half, five percent of the 27 percent that are mountain bikes. The vast majority are 26 inch or 650p. And are you tracking the tire width that people are proposing they're going to ride on? Yeah, yeah. We we ask them, you know, is it 26 inch, 650p, 29 incher, and then hybrid bikes. We just assume that 700C in road bikes, so we have about 4% road bikes who try and attempt it on that, even though on a lot of them you're very limited on what size you can go. 
and then hybrid bikes, you know, you can usually get a bit, you know, wider. Most of the people on hybrid bikes and mountain bikes are usually doing the 50K or the medium-sized fondos. And as the longer distances, most of them are on cross bikes and uh, gravel bikes. And then there's some people on a few on mountain bikes. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if your proportions of 700C versus 650B being 75, 25% are pretty common around the country. I find that 650 um, it's a little bit out of the norm. It's certainly not the major- majority of what I see as well. So that's that's not too surprising over there. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is, is you know, I've noticed that it seemed like there's a, a, a tendency for people to, tr- to go with one buy instead of two buy. But I've, I've noticed that most of the people in our long course on gravel are all on two buy instead of one buy. And it seems like more 650B have... Of one buy and most of the seven hundred C are two buy, but I mean it's sort of open on that. Yeah, no, I, I think you're probably right. I think the six fifty B wheel set probably is attractive to someone who has experienced mountain biking, therefore they probably have experience running one by. So it kind of tracks and correlates together, I would imagine. Yeah. I mean the the thing I've noticed riding my gravel bike as opposed to my mountain bike, and which is is just that if you're on a one by, I feel like you're going to run out of gears a bit in certain places on some of our courses because you're not going to have those tighter steps, but also the ability to go into a big chain ring and just go a bit faster on some of the downhills if that's what you want to do. But it just seems a bit limiting to me. But yeah, it's always a, always a personal choice here in the gravel world for sure. Yeah. So, uh, Dean, can you let us know what the dates are for each event and when registrations open? Okay. Um, well, registration's all open for all of them um, as of right now. They've all been open as of early December. Uh, Kettle, sorry, for start off the first one, Sea to Sky Gravel Fondo is on Saturday, April 25th, and it's in uh, Squamish Valley. And the next one is the Cowichan Crusher on June 7th on Vancouver Island in Lake Cowichan. And the third one of the Triple Crown is the Kettle Metal on September 26th, uh, Penticton to Kelowna. Yeah, the logistics on that one is a bit interesting in terms of all my other events, the sort of same start-finish. That one, uh, to be honest, the first year or two was a bit of a logistical nightmare trying to figure out how to have a start and finish in two different locations that are, you know, 80 kilometers, 100 kilometers apart, and having to bus people and truck people and uh, truck all the bicycles and yeah, that, that that was a bit challenging, but we've kind of got it pretty well sorted now. But yeah, that was uh, trying to figure out, like, people had to check in on the Friday to load their bikes into the, you know, semi-trailer to, to drive it down Friday night so that we unload Saturday morning so they can start the race. Because we didn't want to load and unload in the morning. It just, it's just too, too much time-consuming. So it's easier just to unload, get people get on their bikes, and then we shuttle people from Penticton to start to the people doing the medio to Shoot Lake, um, and then from Shoot Lake they ride down. Um, and that that I don't know if you've ever been to Penticton or Kelowna, the interior, but it's kind of an interesting area. And in that you think of BC and you think of monster trees and all that kind of stuff, but it's very different. It's kind of like Napa Valley North in a way. It's but more in different because it's got really big lakes and you know, like huge lakes. It's got um, you know very dry, warm terrain. There's orchards. There's wineries. 
there's this old train so it's it's very scenic very beautiful and it's uh yeah it's interesting yeah penticton's gorgeous i have been up there uh for iron man many years ago and it's certainly a place where you know you could bring your family up for a vacation and everybody in the household is going to find something to do it's it's great there's as you said the the lakes are amazing and the mountains have a slightly different character than other parts of bc so i'm not surprised it's a popular event for you yeah and i mean that was our inception you know first event but i just i feel like it's it's just a really awesome way to to end this season for us for our triple crown and you know it's just we had a lot of people in from alberta because there's sort of it gets colder there earlier than vancouver and bc and they're sort of ending their season in September, late September. So it's kind of a good sort of end of finish for us. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. Well, I'll make sure to put a link in the show notes to the registration site and make sure people take a look at that. And I wish you the best of luck this season. I can't wait to hear more about it at the end of the year. Great. Okay, thank you. Big thanks to Dean for coming on the show. I'm hopeful that the Triple Crown of Gravel will be able to run all three events this year. Definitely get out there and support them if you're in that neck of the woods up there in British Columbia. As you continue to weather this pandemic, I hope that everybody's being as good as possible to themselves and their loved ones and their community. We all need to come together to get through this. The gravel community has been strong and super supportive across the board, whether it's online, or seeing those who are fortunate enough to ride outside, riding alone and keeping distance from one another. I know we're all wanting to get back to group rides and getting together, but now's not the time. Let's stay solo and let's stay safe out there. Like many of you out there, I've lost my full-time employment, so I guess I'm a full-time podcaster. <laughs> I only wish that paid the rent. If you want to support the podcast, you can visit me at buymeacoffee.com slash thegravelride. Appreciate any of your support for the overhead we incur here at The Gravel Ride. As always, I want to hear from you over social media or directly via email at craig at thegravelride.bike. And finally, a big thank you to our sponsor, Cycle Oregon. They certainly had the option of pulling the sponsorship as they move their dates to later in the year. But Cycle Oregon really wants to connect with the gravel community and is looking at this long term. So they've agreed to continue to support the podcast, which I truly appreciate. So definitely give them a look at cycleoregon.com. Until next time, here's to finding some dirt under your wheels. <laughs>